Dinner with a Dead Man, John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. Hello everybody, this is Michiel, Fishing for Men with Mac. Welcome to this podcast. It is the week of 11 August 2022, coming you to you here from Sweet Home, Oregon. I've mentioned this previously in a podcast that I would like to just repeat the uh, some of the lessons that I am teaching for the church over here um, over this podcast. And so I've had some time today to do that. And I thought I'd just share with you some of the thoughts that I picked up from the book of John chapter 12 is 1 to 8. And what I shared here with the congregation a few weeks ago. And yeah, um, recording it for you. If you're busy driving or uh, you're busy sitting and you just want to hear some thoughts from the scriptures, welcome. Uh, It is good to have you um, here listening in. I want to say at the outset of this that this podcast is going to be in honor of a woman. And while I'm busy talking about whatever is coming, it is going to be a fulfillment of prophecy. Um, Somebody had already said 2,000 years ago that um, I will be bringing honor to this specific woman. Now, before I read the text for you that we're going to deal with today, let me um, just give you a little bit of the context as to what is happening before we even read this text. So remember, we're in John chapter 12, and if you do know your Bible, or if you don't know your Bible, it doesn't really matter. It's great to have you listening in. Uh, if you go to John chapter 11, you find this interesting story that um, Jesus is with his disciples and there's, uh, he receives a message that a very close friend of his by the name of Lazarus is sick and is about to die. Now, it's interesting that there are only four people uh, in the New Testament scriptures that it is said of that Jesus loved them. The one is John, who actually writes this book, and the other three are actually siblings. It's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and they're siblings, two sisters and a brother. Now, they live, these siblings, they live over in Bethany. The word Bethany means the house of misery. And the message that Jesus gets from these two siblings, the the ladies, is, um, Lord, the one you love is sick. And what that means is, they're saying to him, hey, you can do something about this, Jesus. Jesus, Come, um, come and, 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 and heal him. Now, Jesus doesn't go. He deliberately waits another two days until Lazarus actually dies. I mean, that's sort of, uh, that, that's horrible. I mean, you, you don't want to be Jesus' friend. He'll let you die. It's interesting. But if you read the story, you understand what is actually happening here is that Jesus wanted Lazarus to die. To reveal that he is the one that can resurrect people from the dead. And as they leave, uh, for Judah, Thomas says, well, you know, let's just go and die. Because Thomas was fearful and he was uncertain. And the people in Jerusalem, they wanted Jesus dead. And Bethany was close to Jerusalem. And on the way there, Martha runs up to Jesus, the one sister, and she, she grabs him. And Mary doesn't meet Jesus. Mary doesn't run to meet Jesus. She's still at home. It it seems like she's a little bit upset because a brother is dead, right? He, He had died. And as Mary approaches Jesus, she says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That makes sense, doesn't it? 
In other words, she's saying to him, hey, you could have healed him, but you can't raise him from the dead. That's essentially what she was thinking. She thought that Jesus was great, that he could heal people. She knew he could heal people, but she didn't fully comprehend yet that he's the author of life, that he can resurrect people from the dead. And when Jesus saw her, he looked at her and she's crying. And he looked at the people that were with her and they were crying. He started crying. And that's where you find the shortest verse in the Bible. John chapter 11 verse 35. Jesus wept. Just two words. Ladies and gentlemen, it hurts Jesus when we hurt. And if Jesus is in you, you hurt when others hurt. And so Jesus goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. He calls out from the tomb. They warn him, don't go there. It, his body is already decayed. He's been in there for four days. It's a, it's a stinky situation. But he calls for Lazarus to come out. And Lazarus comes out and all the clothing, etc. That was uh, the cloth that was placed around him. The bandages. Now the Pharisees and the chief priests and the, and the Sanhedrin. They hear that he had risen Lazarus from the dead. I mean, and, and all the people want to find out how this happened. And they want him dead. The Pharisees and the chief priests, they want Jesus dead. And at that moment, the governor of Caiaphas, I think he was the, the head of the Sanhedrin. I mean, he, he speaks up and he says, it's better that one person dies for the nation than the whole nation to be destroyed. And in that, in that sentence, he was actually making a, a, a prophecy through the Holy Spirit that Jesus would go to the cross. And that sort of sealed the death, death of Jesus. It's interesting that the resurrection of a man performed by Jesus seals the death of Jesus. And after Jesus realized that these people want to kill him, he left into the wilderness with his disciples in a, in, in Ef, to Ephraim, I think it was. And there he just relaxes in the wilderness, hides from the people for about two months. After those two months, close to the Passover in Jerusalem, he makes his way towards Bethany, back to the house of these three siblings, Lazarus, whom he'd risen from the dead, who he'd raised from the dead, sorry, and then Mary and Martha. And that's where we have our text for today. And I'm going to read it for you. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with them. Then Mary took a pound of pure perfume, pure and expensive nod, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. That's the only section of the text I'd like us to just focus on for the moment. Now, if you look at the probable parallel stories that Matthew records in chapter 26, verse 3 to 16, and, and Mark chapter 14, it seems like 
they were here in another man's house, in the house of Simon the leper. They, they weren't in Lazarus's house. That's what it seems like. Now, Jesus, therefore, is having dinner with a leper and a dead man. Now, in the first century, you don't have dinner with a leper. You stay away from him. It's the most contagious disease, and it was basically a death sentence. So how could he meet in his house? Well, Jesus had healed him. He was a leper. He's no longer. And he's in the house having dinner with a dead man. Who's the dead man? Well, it's Lazarus. He was dead, but now he is alive. They were once sick, but now they are both alive, healthy, and not dead. Jesus healed people. Jesus loved people. But that didn't mean that everybody around him was healthy. There's one person in this room that's not physically sick, but he's spiritually sick. His name is Judas. Judas was sick. And he was walking with Jesus. He was with Jesus when Lazarus was raised from the dead. He's with Jesus at this meal. Now my question is, how is it possible that someone can sit with Jesus and still be sick? Well, that's not a difficult question to answer, is it? For some of us, it is the same. We sit in church. We sometimes pray. We read Bible. We claim to walk with Jesus. But we are sick. Why? We'll talk about that later. Well, Martha, I don't know if you know this, but previously she complained when her sister was sitting by the feet of Jesus in a previous occasion. That she had to serve, she had to carry the plates and wash the dishes, and she was upset that her sister Mary was not participating in the service. Well, here in this text, this is some time later, this is after the resurrection of her brother Lazarus from the dead, she seems to serve everybody and she's not complaining. Well, what happened? There seems to have been a heart change in her. I think it's because Jesus raised her brother from the dead. People who have experienced God's grace don't complain about serving Him and they're not focused on what other people do. They focus on their Lord in this house, on this evening. Imagine for a moment what was happening. Lazarus, he was probably feasting. He was happy that the one who raised him from the dead came to visit. Simon, it's his house. He's busy entertaining people. Martha, she's busy serving. She's cooking food. She's carrying plates around. Thomas, he's a little doubting Thomas. He's probably looking outside of the window. He's scared that they're going to be killed. So he's looking out for the Pharisees and the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin gang to walk up to the house, arrest them and kill them. And in the midst of this entertaining and serving and feasting and looking out the window, suddenly a smell moves through the air. A beautiful event takes place in their midst. And everybody is suddenly overwhelmed by an amazing smell that permeates that room. Mary was busy anointing the feet of the Savior of the world. And everybody looks towards this event, this thing happening in their midst. And they, they look at it from three different perspectives. Well, there are three people in the story I'd like to talk about that looks at this event differently. For Mary, she was, for Mary, Mary is sitting on her knees. She's busy washing Jesus' feet. What do you think she's thinking? Why is she doing that? For Mary, this is my honor. I think that's what she thought. This is my honor. 
You see, the anointing of perfume was a sign of overflowing love and gratitude. Imagine what it looked like. Stinky sandal feet. I mean, you go walk in a desert with sandals on your feet for the whole day. Sweat with dust mixed together creates some nasty toe jam. And they're all seated in this house. And if, if you know how these people sat and they ate, they would lie on their sides. Their tables were low. So you, you, in a sense, you were lying down and eating. And so your feet would be by the head of the person next to you. And you didn't want to have some stinky toe jam by people's feet. And so it was the custom to wash people's feet. But she doesn't just wash his feet. She anoints his feet. In actual fact, I went to go look up on this. The, the amount of nard that she threw on his feet was equivalent to a year's wages, a man's wages for a year. Now, just here in, in Oregon, that, that would be about $28,000. She pours $28,000 on stinky feet that can never be recovered. Why? Why would she do that? That's a lot of money. That's a year worth of wages. Well, because he was the resurrection and the life. He gave her back her brother whom she loved. She knew two things very clearly. Jesus loved her and he can raise the dead. Mary didn't even think about the cost when it came to Jesus. She would give up everything for him. All she wanted to do was pay him honor in the highest regard that she could ever do to this man who was seated in front of her. So to Mary, this event signaled her honor and thanksgiving and her overflowing love to the man who raised her brother from the dead. For Jesus, it meant something different. For Jesus, this was a sign. What does Jesus say when Judas complains about the cost of this perfume? He says, leave her alone. She has saved it for the day of my burial. You see, Mary is honoring Jesus and saying thank you. And Jesus realizes, oh, this is a message from my father. A notice from the Holy Spirit that my death and my burial is near. It was a week away, by the way. It was a few days ago away. You see, she would not be able to anoint his, his body after his death. When you go read the text, when they took Jesus' body down from the cross, none of his disciples could come close. They had to watch from a distance as they put his body into the tomb. And so Mary, symbolically, she didn't know this, but the Holy Spirit gave her this opportunity to anoint the body of Jesus for his burial because she wasn't going to have that opportunity after his death. She anointed him before his death. God gave her the opportunity to do it now while he was still alive. She was giving him flowers before the funeral. I think it is so precious that Jesus got to spend his last week in this house where people loved him. Martha serves him and Mary exhilarates him with joy. But beneath the festivity lurks the dark feeling of coming death. But then Jesus looks around him again. And Lazarus reminds him that he will rise again. There sits the man I, I arose, I, I lifted up from the grave. There he sits. And if he is living, I will live again, regardless of the pain that I'll be going through. And Mary reminds him that his father is there, looking out for him and preparing him for what is to come. Very powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Caiaphas spoke by the Spirit and fulfilled prophecy even though he didn't know it. He spoke prophecy to existence even though he didn't know it. Mary did something that was prompted by the Holy Spirit and she was prophesying something and she didn't even know it. You can be used by the Holy Spirit without even knowing it. And so Mary looked at this and said, this is my honor. Jesus looked at this event and said, this is a sign. And Judas looked at this. He looked at this woman washing Jesus' feet with perfume. And he said, this is a disgrace. To Judas, it was a disgrace. This is bad. This is ugly. I despise the smell. I despise this moment. This is a waste. You see, Judas was hanging around Jesus for the money, not the resurrection. I mean, how could pure nod smell bad to anyone? For Judas, it smelled bad. It signified a loss of income, a waste. I despise this moment. This is a waste. He witnessed the most beautiful sight and didn't see its glory. The love of Mary stirred up hatred in the heart of Judas. The anointing was a message of love, a message from the Holy Spirit that Jesus would die soon for the sins of the world. And all Judas could think about was his own pocket. He didn't care about the poor. He cared only about his selfish interest. He was a bad man. Which type of a man would steal from Jesus? Yet in a way, Judas was not wrong. You see, he was quoting scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verse 11, For they will never cease to be poor people in the land. That is why I am commanding you, open your hand willingly to the poor and needy brother in your land. But the text tells us that his noble displayed motive wasn't his true motive, and it was only a pretext of the evil going on in his heart. Now, allow me to make some applications, some pointers as we conclude. Firstly, devotion to the cross is more important than feeding the poor. Devotion to the cross is more important than feeding the poor. The death of Jesus on the cross is more powerful and valuable to the poor than food in the hands of the poor. Food and money to the poor is a temporary solution to a fleshly struggle. The cross resolves the whole being, the whole person. The poor need the cross more than they need food. You might say, oh, well, we got to feed the poor. we got to give them food to eat. Why are they poor in the first place? Psalm 37, 25 says, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I've not seen the righteous abandoned or their children begging for bread. You cannot belong to Christ. And beg for food on the streets. There's something wrong in your life. When you go to the cross, you give up your life. You start serving Christ with your whole heart. He will provide for you. He will protect you. He will care for you. What you need is the cross first. The cross will provide your food. Secondly, sinful motive often hides itself under the mask of reverence for another virtue. I'll repeat that. Sinful motive often hides itself under the mask of reverence for another virtue. Oh, our world is full of this, especially here in the United States. Lust is masked with love when we talk about homosexuality. Lust is masked with love. Well, how could you deny 
Two people of the same sex who are in love with each other. How can you deny their love? I'm not denying their love. I, there are many men in my life that I, that I love. I don't want to have sex with them. You see, the problem is the sexuality. The problem is, and that is essentially the word for homosexual offenders in the book of Romans and also in, 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 in Corinthians. It, it's an abuse of mankind. That's the word. When you abuse the body, okay, when you use the body contrary to what it has been designed for. So don't mask your sexual depraved lust with words, oh, but I love the person. You don't have to have sex with a person that you love. The problem is, is that you lust the person. We can talk about abortion and say, well, killing a life in the womb, you know, uh, due to irresponsible sexual conduct is masked with, I should have the right over my own body. Well, that statement sounds great. I should have the right over my own body. You, you, th you should have thought about that before you made another body. Okay, and that other body inside of you is rights too. And that should be protected. And so we mask the killing of innocent children with, I've got the right of my own body. We should be very careful of taking a sinful motive and hide it behind or mask it behind some other virtue. We need to watch our motives. Judas complained about the poor, but what he really wanted was the money. Thirdly, the greatest potential obstacle in loyalty to Christ is love for money. Did Mary care about money in the presence of the Christ and the cross? Do you think she cared about that $28,000 worth of nod? No, she didn't. Did Judas? Yes. Yet Judas is a cursed man. He was hung on a tree and he's cursed forever. And so today, we will still honor Mary. And so I go back to where I started in the beginning. If you go read Matthew 26 verse 12 to 13, I'll read it for you. Let me just get it in my Bible here quickly. Matthew chapter 12 verse, oh, Matthew chapter 26, sorry, verse 12. Matthew 26 verse 12. It says the following. By pouring this perfume on my body, she has prepared me for burial. That's Jesus talking. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's what we're doing today. We are all doing this, listening to this in memory and honor of this woman and what she had done. She sat by his feet. And I want to challenge you to do the same thing if you're a Christian, you're listening to this. I want us all to be like her. Sit by his feet and give him all you got. God bless you. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye.